Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I am your host, Rochelle LaCourt. Today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Maureen Ake. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today, we are going to be talking about what it's like to come together in the face of adversity and polarization. So please join me in welcoming Miss Maureen. <laughs> Welcome, Maureen. How are you? Hi, Rochelle. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to connect with you and have this conversation with you. Yes. And I would love to start with you sharing a little bit about your story. Who are you? Where, where are you in this great wide world? And uh, what got you into wanting to be a licensed marriage and family therapist? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. It's so sweet of you to reach out and um, I feel a deep sense of gratitude. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Maureen. I live in Stewart, Florida, which is a really small town on the Eastern seaboard of Southern Florida. And um, I practice um, marriage and family therapy here. I co-own a business. It's called the Stewart Center for Couples and Families. And here it's a female run show. And we have all different types of female therapists in our building. Everyone from a, a speech and language pathologist for kiddos to a adventure coach. Uh, again, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have another one there and um, a licensed clinical social worker. We have two of those as well. So we're all females. We all own our own businesses and we all think that it's really important to help our community uh, at every age and stage of life. So that's what we're currently doing right now. Wow. Yeah. So what brought me here is I actually cooked professionally. And before Florida, I lived in Washington, DC, kind of a little bit before that. Uh, my undergrad is in theater. And so I went to college in Washington, DC, and I studied theater there. It was fantastic and wonderful. Um, I also had a bit of body image issues and disordered eating. And so during that time, I began some therapy of my own, and then I went to culinary school to really uh, hit this head on with how I was doing emotionally and mentally and physically. And so it was really a powerful experience going to culinary school in New York. And then after culinary school, I moved back to DC. That is where I made food as a, as a chef for people with AIDS, cancer, HIV. It was a local nonprofit and we did home deliveries for people just suffering and needing food for medicine. And it was a really important, beautiful thing that we did there and I really loved it. And so that brought me to Florida and I cooked professionally a little bit here. I met my husband, we both agreed that uh, cooking wasn't really what our life was going to be about in that sense. And so we both decided to shift our perspectives and I really went towards psychology. I got my master's and he went uh, into banking and he's a financial advisor now. So, <laughs> so we have really good meals at home, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that's amazing. I think most people would find that possibly counterintuitive. Like if you have body image issues and, yes. you know, unhealthy eating to fully submerge yourself and immerse yourself in culinary arts. And could yes. you speak a little bit more about that? I find that's so interesting. Yeah. You know, I really think that for me, I, because cooking was so, it was such an intimate part of 
my life anyway, in certain ways. It was at that part, it was a lot about control or not cooking, right? And so I had a lot of disordered thinking around those things. And and I also grew up when I was really young, loving food and loving the smells of food in my home. And for us, food was really dinner time was a really important time on Sundays. I remember like even coming home from church, my dad would start getting the roast in the oven, playing music. And it was just a really nice, easy, light time. So those are the memories that I did associate with food that I really enjoyed and that I wanted to get back to, to making it pleasurable again. And I guess maybe this is just my personality, but when I, when I think of something, I just kind of move towards it pretty hard. And I knew that this would be the right decision for me because I knew how healing food can be because I knew how destructive it was in my head. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like those juxtapositions, those opposites that I know can really pull things together. Wow. I really, I really love that. And I feel like that is a great segue into talking about polarization and the face of adversity. So please share, let's talk about this. Me, you know, it's funny because I think that that's how I view a lot of things um, or that's how I originally have come to view things is, is the opposite, right? If it's not this, it's that. If it's not X, it's A, right? Or, you know, whatever it is. And so it's it's been something in my practice for a while for me to get out of that polarized thinking, um, that very black or very white thinking and be and start to be really uncomfortable to a point where that uncomfortable is more comfortable, right? That gray in between and all of those shades of gray in between really help me to understand that we as humans, we are such a varied species and we are just such a beautiful, unique experience. Um, but the one thing that we all have in common is that we want connection. That's the one thing, right? And so when we want connection so badly, we do it in ways that might create more polarization, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's that I want it so bad, but, and this is the only way that I'll do it. And so therefore it kind of sabotages me or what I really want. Could you sure. share a little bit more around what polarization is for any listeners who are uncertain sure. about what that means? It's not a Polaroid photo, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, it's not a Polaroid photo. <laughs> it's not, although those are pretty cool. So polarization is, is when we stand on opposite ends of the spectrum of a belief system, of an ideal, of something in which we hold to be true for ourselves. And when we are in such polarization, we stand in direct contrast. And it's, it's really polar opposite of being able to be connected and understand and really act as a team, right? A lot of times in my work, when I work with couples, we talk about teamwork, right? Partnerships, equality, and what that looks like. And when we are out of equality, when we're out of alignment, right? We create polarized experiences. And it's really hard to understand someone else's point of view when you're so, when you're so far away from them emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. And I think a reason why I... I believe this is such an important topic right now is because we see the state of the world and we see such polarized belief systems and it's really hard for people to lean in and to lean towards and to move towards understanding. And I, 
I see it all the time on social media feeds and things like that. It's like, well, if you don't believe me, then you're an idiot. And if you don't think my way, then you're stupid. And it's like, how are we going to move anywhere if we have such beliefs? Mm -hmm. I think it's really a tender space for so many people. And it's like, it's, and it's volatile because it is such a soft spot for so many people. It's like, it, like, you could just like rest a hair there and it would just be too much for the other person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do we overcome this? How do we, how do we navigate this? Because like, this is a critical component in us becoming, you know, unionized as people, not unionized in the sense of like, oh, I have my beliefs and you have your beliefs. Yeah, that's okay. But like, we need to start coming together and banding together and like realizing that uh, and I, I don't like to use this, the slogan, but we are all in this together. And the sooner that we realize that and begin to unite, the, the faster we can make traction forwards rather than someone's constantly has their foot on the brake and everybody else is trying to pull forward. Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's really hard to move forward if we don't heal what's existing or mm-hmm. what's already in pain or in trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk about this a lot with my clients. Imagine, um, well, I I typically ask when you were a little kid and you fell off your bike, what, what happened? Did someone come to your rescue and to your aid and help you through it and hold you and say, it's going to be okay. Or did they say, get up and keep on going. All right. I think my mom told me I was okay. And I just like, get up and keep on going. Mm -hmm. You'll be all right. Right. So that happens. And then we acknowledge, yeah, I am Okay. But what happens if we really fall and no one's close enough to actually acknowledge that there is pain, right? What if your mom wasn't close enough and she saw that you really skinned your knee pretty bad? Yeah, exactly. Then I would be like, uh, hello, like I need first aid. (laughs) Right? I need help. So I feel like in in certain areas of of this global stretch that we're experiencing, there are certain areas where people are saying we're hurt, we need help and no one's really going to their aid, mm-hmm. right? We're like that parent, it's like, you're fine, you're fine, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now we need to be that parent or that person to come over and say, what is it and how can we help you? Whereas mm-hmm. right now it's like, I don't see it that way. So you, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Am I? Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I also find it, it's super interesting to, to be discussing this because there are, as like, to use your word, there are completely polarized views about what is going on. And I think at the root of it all is deception. There is so much deception going on. And I just had a conversation uh, with with another person about this, about how if Satan is the prince of this world, Mm If he cannot deceive you, he will distract you. And I feel like that it's like, you can literally watch it go back and forth. The deception, the distraction, the deception, the distraction, the deception, the distraction. And it's painful to watch. Hmm. It's it's hard to know how to have those conversations with people when you see, oh, that they don't like your view or they don't like the comment that you made or whatever. And like, I'm curious, like, how do you navigate that when someone is so deeply entrenched in that pain how do you navigate that to nurture them to come back and realize like you're not here to add further pain like you genuinely want to right you know be that that loving parent that's like hey I see you fell and skinned your knee like 
would you, can I put a bandaid on that? Can I get you right. cleaned up? I think that that's a really important claim to, to bridge here because like there's a massive gap. Like it, it's so wide. It's so wide. And I think the first step is number one, removing ego. And I think oftentimes we lead with ego because we don't want to be wrong. We don't want our point of view to be the wrong one or things like that. And I think that this is, this is a point, this is a crucial point in our humanity where it's important to say I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And to acknowledge if we, if we really think that way, or to even say like, let me hear your point of view. Let me really hear it without my ego getting involved. Yeah. Let me acknowledge what you're experiencing so I can step in your shoe for a minute. Mm -hmm. Just just to be there, just to be present. Mm -hmm. um, Brene Brown um, wrote Brave. I'm not sure if you've read that. And she wrote a lot about leaning in. And it's a lot about political polarization and how to have hard conversations with family members and how to have just hard conversations in general. And she wrote a lot about, uh, she used the term leaning in and just trying even for 30 seconds to see someone else's point of view, trying then for a minute. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you're going to, it's not my point of view or it's not my position to change your mind, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is for us to be able to understand each other enough to respect it. And, mm -hmm. and that's when it's up to us to say like, maybe I do want to change my mind. Maybe I don't. And I feel like there's a lot of hesitancy around that. And, and it goes back to the ego, because if I, you know, say I say I didn't agree with your point for whatever mm -hmm. reason, like say you you think that the sky is blue and I, for whatever reason, think it's purple, you know, and I disagree with you instead of disagreeing with you. If I pause and just I'm like, OK, well, why do you actually believe that the sky is blue and actually come from a place of curiosity rather than a place of injury and animosity. Like, I think it, yes. was, it would be a completely different conversation. But again, it goes back to if, if I'm operating from that injured place, like how do you approach me so that I don't feel more deeply triggered or more deeply pained by exactly stretched beyond the max here? Like how yeah, do you have that your capacity? Mm -hmm. You know, did you ever work in the food industry, Rochelle? Uh, I worked at a McDonald's when I was a teenager. Okay. Yeah. So you've, you've been in it. You understand how humanity works, right? It, yeah. If I could be a queen of the world for one day, right? I would say that it would be important for everyone to be in the food service industry for a few months and also for everyone to have therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just because I think that we need to see how we treat other people. Mm -hmm. I think that it's an important thing. And I, how do we, how do we lean forward when we're broken? Right. That was the question that you just asked. How do we lean forward when we're already so stretched? We lean forward by being able to get ourselves help. And I think that that's like the number one thing that we need to be able to do to take a look at our, ourselves, to take a personal inventory and say, where am I operating from? Am mm -hmm. I operating from a fear-based position? Am I operating from um, discomfort? Am I operating from these lower level vibrations that put me at odds or animosity with anything else that might not be what it is that I believe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also, I think too, it's also about realizing that you are, like you just said it, you are operating from those places, but a lot of people don't even recognize that that's where they're operating from. And yeah. that to me is, is the hard part. It's like, how do you, 
and invite someone to see that for themselves without, you know, here's a mirror. Can you see yourself yet? Because that's the hardest part. And I can tell you from my own experience, I hated anytime someone held up a mirror. I was like, bitch, please. I don't want to listen. I don't want to look right. Like I just wanted to just go my merry way. And again, it was ego. It was thinking, you know, that, Oh, there's no way that this person could possibly recognize or realize anything. And that comes from a very immature perspective that somebody else could not potentially know something that I wouldn't know or teach me something that I hadn't yet learned. And, you know, when I got over that, I realized that not only am I here to teach other people, I am here to also be taught. And by people, yeah, by people connecting with me and genuinely saying, Hey, you know what? Like, that was really interesting that you said it that way. Like, I'm curious, you know, where did you come up with that? And they approached me from that place of curiosity. It allowed me to go inward and be like, wow, this person's like genuinely interested. They're genuinely curious about my point of view. And then I don't feel the need to like force it on them because they're genuinely curious. They're like, I'm curious, like, how did you come to this? And it's like, oh, actually, well, you know, I I read this article here and then I did some research and I found this and then I discovered this and then I tried this for myself and this was the conclusion that I came up with. Yeah. You know, and it, it, that to me, that's the whole foundation and premise of everything. If you can approach people from a place of curiosity. Yeah. Genuine. Genuine curiosity. curiosity. I think that- yeah. yeah, you're dead on. For me, it's it's about being a a light in the world, and if we can shine, you know. And every, I'm thinking of making a children's book about about. I have this conception in my head, or this, and it's about how we're all born into this world with an equal amount of bright light, right? But throughout the years and throughout the millennia, all of our lights have dimmed because of some of our really negative experiences and traumas, right? And so mm-hmm. eventually the, world, the whole world becomes dark and mm-hmm. some, some star somewhere eventually begins to get brighter and brighter. And then everyone sees that way that we can be, right? We can be authentic. We can be unique. We can be creative. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that it's really my position in this world at this time to just be that kind of light. If you like what I'm doing, if you're interested in it, then that's fantastic. And let's have conversations and let's get curious together. Right. And if you're not at that space and you're not at that time, I can't force you, but I can just continue to shine the way that I can shine and you can get whatever you can out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and like you said, it's, it's not up to us to be there to force our opinions on someone, to force someone to change their way of thinking. That is not the point at all, because that would be deceptive that would be an ulterior motive that would be not approaching you from a place of genuine curiosity that would be I have a hidden agenda and I'm going to slap you with it at any any given moment and you're not going to see it coming and then any any trust if any at all was built in that time frame will be be yeah it'll be completely destroyed and there will be now a bigger wall and barrier that needs to be overcome in order to repair that and at that point most people find it irreparable Yeah. And I think that this is part of our humanness and part of our free will on this earth is that we need to be able to decide for ourselves when that time is. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people get frustrated when other people are not on their same timing, right? Mm -hmm. Why can't you think the way I do? Or why don't you see it this way? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think I fall victim to that sometimes when I'm in my 
in my humanness, sometimes in that grime of things, I'm like, well, I just don't get why they don't see it that way. And then I have to, you know, pull back, slow things down and say, well, I, I do understand why they see it that way. And it's mm-hmm. okay. You know, they're, they're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we continue though, to bridge this gap? And I think it, you're right. It's through curiosity. It's through attemptive of understanding, right? It's leaning in. I think it's also just knowing that we are, we are not perfect. Not yeah. one person has every answer. Yeah. And they say it takes a village. <laughs> they literally mean that. And you are yes. still a child as an adult. So it still takes a village. Yeah, it does. It still takes a village until the day we die. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's what are we learning at this day and time? And I think that so many people are still stuck in a trauma response from, from any of their issues, that their trauma response is limiting their ability to have, you know, a 360 degree angle. It's really very linear as opposed to much more um, free and accessible. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I can say from my own experience, a lot of my interactions with people, like if you would have met me seven, eight years ago, a lot of my interactions with people were very abrupt and abrasive. And I just didn't know that that was where I was operating from. Yeah, I was, you know, seeking support and talking to a counselor and a therapist and all this kind of stuff. And I just felt like I was beating a dead horse all the time because I just didn't feel like things were shifting. And then it took an earth shattering experience for me to like sort of snap awake and be like, whoa, like, why am I running around being a total jerk face to everyone? That's not necessary. And my friends will tell you, like, I was never a blatant jerk, but they would say you were really rough and you were really like, Mm. because I just wanted my opinion to be heard so bad. And that was a core need that had Mm. gone unmet from my childhood. And recognizing that was so critical to my healing process. And I'm, yes, I, Yeah. Like, I think that that is something that people maybe could expand on for themselves. It's like, okay, well, what is your actual core wound that you're is showing up for you every time you engage with your partner and you realize, Hey, like, what is the one thing you're always saying? Oh, you're not listening. Oh, you're not listening. Oh, you're not listening. Oh, you're not listening. Hello. Are you feeling heard? Cause it sounds like you're not. And if you're not feeling heard, why? Right. Why are you not feeling hurt? And then actually go in and start to pull apart. Yeah. You know, start go to, to those like, layers. Yeah. Like start to peel the onion back and, and know that you can do that in a supportive environment where someone who's been through the muck and the guck and has peeled yes. all the layers back knows, or you can do it alone. Yeah. It's much easier to do it with support. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> it's easier to do it with support. When you get, when you've had enough support that you know how to do it on your own, it's, it's makes it easier to venture on your own. But I always feel that there is, it's necessary to have support. Every coach has a coach, you know, most therapists, and I'm not going to speak for you, but most therapists have a therapist. Have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's important because we're all human beings we're all humans having this experience and we're learning and we're growing and why why wouldn't you take the map that someone is providing you for a new city to navigate than trying to navigate it all by yourself with no gps and no compass right just a question just a question just wondering yeah just curious about that I think that and it all goes back to, you know, when you said, you know, it's, you're wanting, we're wanting to be heard. We're wanting our voices to be acknowledged. We're wanting something, right? And that again, goes back to a core wound 
of not being connected, not, you know, whatever it is, all of those core wounds go to connection and a Mm -hmm. lack of connection. Mm -hmm. And so when we're, when we are an entire world of 7 billion people recognizing that we're still at war with each other in so many different ways, right? There's physical war, there's an emotional war, there's just turmoil everywhere that we can look. There are positives as well. I don't want to discount those because I believe in them and I agree and I love seeing that light, right? That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I think around a lot of those situations which are negative or hurtful or you know warlike, there is a lack of connection. There is a, a lack of ability to be to be able to connect. And you know, that's really, really ages old issues. Mm-hmm. When I was, I was in St. Augustine this past weekend with my husband and we went to a torture museum. I know that, that sounds really boring. Oh <laughs> There's a part of me that likes the, the macabre, but it was <laughs> interesting to see how we treated each other and how open it was and how people were very commonly understood to that if you're, if you're this, or if you're that, if you're a witch, if you're a heretic, if you're an apostate, if you're doing any of these things, you're eventually going to die because we don't like the way that you think about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of really intense ways to hurt someone in Mm -hmm. such a way that you take away their humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that while we are not as obvious in today's age with the torture, we, it's very subtle and it's nuanced and it's, it's poisonous in how we are hurting each other. Oh my gosh. My brain is just going a million miles a minute right now about this (laughs) because it it is. And to your point as well, you know, there is a spiritual battle that is going on. It's a literal, a literal battle between good and evil. Yeah. And you can watch it play out right in front of your very eyes. Like, like you mentioned, look on social media, you see people literally going to war for an opinion. Yeah. Just for an opinion. And it's like, okay, I understand, obviously, as a, as an observer, as a seasoned observer, it's, it's easier to observe and understand, you know, which side is fighting for which and, and who's not feeling hurt and who's needing that connection. So I'm curious, yes. can you speak a little bit more as well about the different ways that we can feel connected versus disconnected? I know feeling hurt is one of them. So yeah, please, yeah. So connected versus disconnected? Mm-hmm. I think ways in which we can feel connected is that we find support groups. If we're talking therapeutically, we find support groups that help us to be our most authentic self, to be able to heal what we need to heal, right? So that's one support. Um, another support would be having having more friends to be able to have deeper conversations with. I know a lot of times we feel nervous having friends to have deep conversations because Friendships are supposed to be light and easy, right? And and I think that a way to help bridge some of the gaps of opinions, right? That that opinion bridge, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the same opinions as some of my friends, and that's okay with me. And I'm comfortable with that because they're my opinions. They don't my friends don't need to have the same exact opinions as me. Mm-hmm. And so a way in which I find connection is if we just talk about it so we can understand each other a little bit more. It doesn't mean that they're going to believe the things that I believe, or I'm going to believe the things that they believe, but it means that I'm going to get a deeper understanding as to like why they believe those things. Yeah. 
so I think having stronger friendships to be able to have those kinds of conversations, if you can, um, way, another way in which we can connect would be to, this sounds, uh, counterintuitive, but it would be to connect more to yourself, to find what you align with. And I'm a real big believer that if you can't, if you're finding problem after problem after problem in the outside world, there might be something going on internally that you might need to go to like, you know, your spiritual chiropractor about and get realigned with what you're doing and what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. And so the more I think you become in alignment with yourself and your own beliefs, the more that you can you feel connected regardless if other people believe you or uh, adhere to your, your system of ideals. It would be like if we all had to wear the same clothes and we all had to have the same haircut, there would be that differentiates us. And while having a difference of opinions doesn't have to be the only thing, I think it can also, it can also aid you in having deeper connections with other people because it is so much more beneficial to have a conversation where there is a bit of disagreement or a little bit of contention only because it forces you to have to grow and it forces you to have to expand, you know, your mental capacity, your emotional capacity, your spiritual capacity, because if, and by force, I mean, what it does is it like, it creates a new spaciousness within yourself to be accepting and understanding. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to condone it or say that what you're doing and what you agree with is okay. But it does say that I appreciate and respect you as a human being and what you are doing. It doesn't mean I agree with you, but I can at least have this conversation with you. And that to me says more about your character than anything else. And like having strength in character is something that I feel like a lot of this world is lacking at this yeah. point. There's, there's a lot of, I'm just going to say like soft, flimsy, see-through, like airy fairy, like there's no substance to yeah. a lot of relationships and friendships and people. And I think that these times have really unveiled who people really are at the core. Yes. Like you're seeing the nicest of the nice, but you're also seeing the ugliest of the ugly come out with yeah. so many people right now. And it's like, wow, if I didn't notice that before, I'm certainly noticing it now. It doesn't mean that I feel differently or that I think that you're the worst person on the planet or whatever, and you need to go away and die. I don't think that at all. It just makes me want to pray for you even more and, and wish you well even more because I can yeah. see that you are literally struggling and battling and, and again, it just comes back to like wanting to be that light, wanting to be that person who is loving on the, these other people and like sharing with them, hey, you don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to live in agony and despair and pain. You're not meant to. You were never meant to. You were never meant to live in separation. You were never meant to live by yourself and isolated, period. No. We like, as humans, like you said it at the beginning, we desperately crave connection. Like. If you've ever seen any of those studies where what happens to an infant or a child when oh. it doesn't have that initial skin-to-skin oh, skin mother connection, like it's so detrimental. A lot of those babies die. They die because they need that connection. We need that connection. doesn't matter if you're 50, 70, whatever years old, you still need that connection. You still need that skin-to-skin. You still need to feel someone else's, you know, uh, energy around you. You still need yeah. to be held and loved and fed and nurtured. And I, I like, I just, I can't, I can't with that right now. Like, you just need to like, 
stop it. Stop isolating yourself. That's not how you were meant to live. Knock yeah. it off. Yeah. It's a real, I think that this is a really trying time for our entire world because COVID put things on pause for the entire world for the last year. We've had a really giant microscope to look and acknowledge um, relationships, experiences, feelings, things like that to say, what do I really value? What's really important to me? And, and we've also put, you know, been put under a microscope of like, what's really negative, right? What's really hurtful? What's really painful? You know, I think that there is one thing that I do want to acknowledge that I'm going to believe you and love you and trust you and and attempt to connect with you until you're hurting someone else intentionally. And then there is something really painful about that, that I can't, I, it's very hard for me to lean in. I can Mm -hmm. love you from afar and I can attempt to understand what your pain is. However, I can't condone that kind of behavior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. I can't remember what, what the scripture is, but it talks about that. It talks about, um, it's basically a a way to enable abusers or to enable people who are doing really nasty things. It, It basically, it enables them by you constantly, you know, like nurturing them and nourishing them. It's not that you, you don't condone their behavior. You don't think it's a good idea, you know, that they're doing whatever they're doing, like whether they're harming children or, or whatever, like you're not saying that what they're doing is okay, but you're also not saying that you're going to involve yourself with it. So sometimes what you have to do is you have to turn those people in and that can be the hardest thing in the world. Sometimes the right decision, this was the best advice that I was ever given. Sometimes the right decision and the hardest decision are the exact same decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. You know, yeah. it's painful being a therapist because there are times where you do have to call child protective services. It's the last thing you want to do because it's a hard thing to do. And at the same time, it's the best thing to do because you realize that there is pain going on in someone else's life that you can potentially prevent more pain. Yeah. Right. Oh, I can imagine that would be such a hard call to have to it's, make. Oh, it's so painful. It, it's challenging. And, you know, this is what we've signed up to do. Mm-hmm. Right. For, for me in this profession and for, you know, quite a few others, we are mandated reporters in which we need to make sure that pain is not happening. Mm-hmm. And if we can prevent it, it's our job to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when people don't, that's what leads to a further society living in trauma and pain and suffering. More, and more trauma. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's trauma compounding trauma. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We could talk forever about this. I know. know. Oh my gosh. On this note, I would love to ask you, Maureen, do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners and viewers? Um, Final words of wisdom. I think, you know, I was telling a couple last night that the best thing to do is to number one, have compassion for yourself and learn to create compassion for others. And I think when we can be able to do that, when we can see each other from a point of view in which we're all little kids trying to figure out this big world together, that's, that's the only thing that we can do to, to lean in, to understand. That's like the first step. So. Oh, wow. I love that. And to really amplify that we are just little kids trying to figure it out, figure it all out. Yeah, we're trying to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. And Maureen, how can people get in contact with you? How can they connect with you? You can find me on social media as we're talking about. Uh, uh, you can find me at M underscore ache therapy. You can find me at Maureen ache MS 
family therapist on Facebook. You can also find me at maureenake.com. So I'm, I'm around. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure having this conversation. And well, thank you again so much for inviting me to talk today and for having this conversation with me. I think the more times we can have this kinds of these kinds of conversations in our friend groups, in support groups, in otherwise other areas where it might feel challenging, that's where it's most important. I agree. Yeah. You know, where the challenge is, it grows. Yes, yes. In the face of adversity, what will you do? (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Rochelle. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. 